Good morning. Um, our sermon today uh, is, is going to take a different form and that's very special to me. Today we're going to have our brother Jamie Grimble serving his role as kind of a, a, a talk show host asking questions of us. Um, we've asked some of the members of our congregation to respond uh, and share the impact of reading Begin Again that it had on their lives. And uh, they're, gonna, they're gonna share. And um, it, that's a great thing. Um, especially as we are transitioning into um, our next sermon series, which is entitled The Sum of Us. Um, I kind of think of it as the one plus one plus one plus one plus equaling one, the sum of us. Um, and so we need to take a pause sometimes and, and think about that in, uh, the impact we need to recognize and give one another a chance to talk and to speak. Um, now, I've looked at these uh, videos already and um, I was listening particularly as I was driving home uh, from Virginia and I, there was a common thing of kind of some pauses and a little, you know, difficulty getting into the questions with people and I thought, what's going on? I, I, I don't understand what, what's happening with people. And then it hit me. They're uncomfortable. And when that hit me, my hands shot up in the air like touchdown and I thought, oh God, I'm driving. And so I put my hands back on the wheel. <laughs> but we enter, we're entering this wonderful place of discomfort where we need to be. And, and when we hit places like that, God is able to do so much in our lives. Um, you know, in this world, we have all been uh, in, impacted with this pollution of racism, this pollution that makes everybody, white people, black people, Asian people, Puerto Rican people, you know, the whole continent of South, Af uh, South America, want to be white. This whiteness. And the closer you could get to whiteness, the better. But we are dismantling, we're doing away with all of that. So we each get to be free. Black people get to be free, white people get to be free. Everybody gets to be free. And then we can join together in who we really are. Human beings united in support of each other. Human beings who are African American and who are from the different countries in Africa and Europe and Asia and we can celebrate the uniqueness of our diversity that comes together to do great things. And so today, if you will, sit back and listen with, with humble hearts as I, as I listened and, and with encouraged hearts um, and with uncomfortable hearts as our, our, our family is brave and courageous in front of us and shares um, impact stories. So uh, be blessed today. And thank you, Jamie, for, um, for doing this. Thank you, Parker Lamascus, for the beautiful sermon uh, about the three chord chords of racism and the three chords of community. And while we're unraveling the chords of racism, we are tying very tightly the cords of community. May you be blessed in the sum of who we are this morning as you listen. Thank you.
good morning everyone it's uh good to see you all um my name is jamie i'm now uh, a long-time member of mosaic community church and um angel has asked me to have a few interviews with some of our amazing congregation and we also have another guest as well from outside our church um and we're going to be talking about a book that uh, pastor angel gave the church to read um as part of our journey of becoming an anti-racist church she felt that this material would be an excellent um use just to sort of bring the church as a whole to one place where we can kind of understand um the history of racism um the effects of racism um and um you know and how we can start moving on from that and she found this amazing book by um eddie s Glau jr and uh it's called begin again and it's basically about james baldwin and his experiences his writings um and experiences when he was basically on his journey as a writer um as a um civil rights and his later life as well and just seeing through his eyes what racism and um, white america was doing to um people of color and um and uh, the black community so um that's what was going to be happening today um i think i've done a few of these now i should be having my own theme music um, I don't know if Kennedy, you can do that right now. Um, cool. So really, let's. I think let's dive into the the uh, the interview. Um, I think for those that don't know, um, we should probably just talk about the format of what the the book exploration was. Um, so you know, Pastor Angel obviously gave us these books, this book to read and um as a church as a whole and then we i think we had we had one discussion as a church as well didn't we we had a, a zoom meeting yeah kind of discussed it and just how we've personally felt and then from that we broke into our affinity groups um to discuss it on a more personal deeper um impactful level how you know um this book but also just how racism has affected each, you know, affinity group personally, um, and how this book can sort of—I don't want to say realign, but kind of just sort of. Obviously, we want to be an anti-racist church, but just sort of like reimagine what what an anti-racist church can be, but also how what being anti-racist, as you know, for me personally, as a as a white, you know, cis male right and 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 you know so let's take it from there yeah so one of the um amazing things angel did in the very first group meeting when we were all together i think was we spent the entire hour and a half and if you're like me and have lived in the zoom world for a year plus now an hour and a half was like oh my goodness what are we going to talk about um but that whole first hour and a half was just an introduction to each other 
which I think was very important because we've got so many new folks and people who are living outside of Philadelphia who wanted to join. Um, I think you'll get to hear from one soon. Um, and one of the important questions of, besides like name, pronouns, what you do, et cetera, was Angel asked us to all tell our first memory or the first time we were really cognizant of our race. And I think for one, that was a, a really meaningful icebreaker type of question because um, one, it kind of let people like me who identify as POC kind of gauge what this situation was going to be like, because honestly, like, you never know walking into things like this, even the most well-meaning, well-meaning groups can just kind of surprise you in a bad way. But um, I, I think it was really good to be able to get that initial story and connect as humans um, in that way. And find the find the wavelength that we were all going to ride. Um, yeah. One of my dear friends was saying, like, it's so hard and you rarely see organizations doing things like this correctly, because a lot of times we approach things like this with the mindset of, well, let's get everybody on the same level, and then we can progress into the deep stuff. But the way Pastor Angel kind of just dropped us in the deep end was great. And it's like, catch up or, you know, it gives, it gives a little more grace for some people to, to have a little more patience and some people need to hustle a little bit. Totally. I, I mean, I completely agree. I think like coming to this art, it's the, the key word for me is our experiences, right? Um, so we've all experienced this in very different ways and, and our awareness is completely different and going to be, you know, so, the, the, you know, the, I mean, I've said this a number of times when I've spoken in church is that the key, the key thing is listening and just hearing each other. And then for it's the work inside us is to, to do the work or to do the thing. And so therefore it's not a question of catch up. Obviously it's like you say, it's, we've got to hustle and we've got to, we've got to do the work. So I guess sort of moving from that, um, can you can you share with with the church um how you know what you found most helpful or encouraging from the readings um from the group time yeah um so i think like the the main takeaway from readings and study materials and things um was the lie right that's if you read any summary or see any article written about this book they all talk about the lie and the lie being kind of this nationalistic sense of America is fundamentally good and innocent. Um, and I think um, acknowledging that is is really great and something that I've been thinking about as I've been processing and thinking about our times together and everything is that I am now more conscious of the lie not only on a greater sense, but also how mosaic may become a microcosm propelling the lie a little bit. Like we have the potential doing this work now to kind of feel a little bit high and mighty, right? Like we're fundamentally good and innocent. Look at all these things we're doing. Um, 
but as like anything it, that can go that's obviously um not good and we're our efforts aren't necessarily fundamentally good and innocent like we will stumble um we will will disappoint our poc brothers and sisters and um that's that's one of my main takeaways right now is is how moving forward i've got that paradigm shift a little bit that's cool yeah i think that i mean i yeah I think as a church as well, it's kind of like that question of like the struggle of, you know, oh, we're in a church and we're, we're doing okay and we're doing all this work, but it's like, I mean, you could almost like parallel it to, to, to our struggles with our faith, right? You know what I mean? Like you're kind of always like, well, I'm going to church, I'm doing the exiting this box yes. and this box and this box, and you kind of get into this comfort zone, right? right? Of like, you're doing the work with your faith yeah and as we know it's the the job is never done right and so you know we can you've got it in order to move forward you just got to keep working at it right and i think that's where we see um a huge crossover between race and class issues happening is because we as americans are operating under a model of american capitalism and meritocracy like i've got the to-do list um begin again group check donate to blah 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 like all of these things um and it just doesn't work like that totally so i guess then how how were you ch challenged personally in this was there anything that came up that really yeah. challenged you and kind of questioned things for you yeah so um to be frank i'm i'm very far from from being yeah i'm i'm very far from having everything processed and particularly um well articulated um my particular such um experience is uh such that i'm a brown person who was adopted by white folks and essentially grew up white and so um, a lot of times I think I have some like internalized trauma from that, that manifests itself in that when I speak collectively, usually I'm placing myself in a category with white people. Right. Um, and I've been working hard over the past few years. Um, I feel like my, my real like light bulb moment happened in college, honestly, um, when, I got away from the people who'd known me for 20 years of my life. And I realized that other people don't necessarily see me as white. And if they do, it, like people who know me forever, or if people do see me as white, it's almost like a, well, you're just one of us type thing. Or like, I don't notice you being brown because blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, maybe you should. Um, Is it kind of that? And I hate saying this, is that you, you, did you get that? I don't see color from other people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's well like nuanced type of way. It's like that. Yeah. Right. Um, how does this material really kind of affect your view? I mean, you mentioned it with the evangelical church that you're a part of, but like, um, how does it challenge the American church? And, and then in turn, our local church, like for, for example, Mosaic, right. who are trying to be anti-racist. 
Right. And, and, and I think that's, that's part of it. I think we have to be willing as the American church, I, I you know, Glow, the, the big American church and then each congregation to, first of all, look at that lie. Look at that lie that says that white people are more valuable mm-hmm. than black and brown people. Look at that and believe it. Believe that, that that lie exists. I was one always to explain it away, excuse it, because it made no sense to me. Oh, people don't really think that. Or maybe a few people in the, but but no, that's not what the church is teaching, we have to accept, yes, we have to look at our history, how our complicit um, behavior, um, you know, all through his, all through um, the history of the country and the history of, of the Christian church, we have to look at how the church benefited in the past and now. And I don't know all the answers. I don't know exactly how I benefit all the time, but I know that I do benefit. Um, we have to face it and we have to be willing to ne- talk about it, learn about it, and then make some changes. I mean, something simple, really simple, that I, I used to be in charge of the Sunday school programs where I was going to church. And I made a conscious decision to say, you know what? All the pictures of Jesus look like me. That's ridiculous. Jesus wasn't you know, I'm Italian, Irish descent. American. No, Jesus was, you know, in the Middle East when he was walking around on earth. He doesn't look like me. Yeah. We need to change that. Um, you know, something that small. Even that met resistance. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think we have to look at all that and be willing um, also to listen and believe our brothers and sisters of color. You know, even if it's not my experience, and it's not nine times out of 10, if somebody says it's their experience and it hurts them and it's a problem, if I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself, if I'm supposed to put them before me, Mm -hmm. I've got to listen and believe them and not try to explain it away. And that's something I've been guilty of, like always trying to make everything nice and explain things away. And and, and And we've got to stop it. Totally, I think I, I think one hundred percent you're right. It's just giving people that space. Yeah. You know, was there? I mean, which, is there an experience from maybe the discussions that that you were part of? Would is there a, you know, was there anything that was brought up for you that maybe had been a challenge, or you actually went, you know, that gave you an answer, or you know, something that that came from it that that really helped you. Yeah, I, I, I think it was, it wasn't just one thing, um, but it was just as the, as the way the discussions were set up, um, you know, we were trying really hard to give everyone equal time to speak. And, you know, and I was kind of a newcomer, you know, to the group and, and I like to talk. I'd like to have the answers. I like to be in charge. And I think that's part of, um, you know, the white supremacy that I was brought up in, you know? Um, and, and I just was more quiet and I tried to listen and I tried to hear. And there were just a few things that um, some of the people said in the breakout groups in the, in the larger, not in the affinity groups, but in the large gatherings that I went, oh, wow, I never thought of that. You know, I never thought about that experience. 
Um, it just wasn't part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, just, so just listening. And I think that's something I, I'm going to have to do more of. Just, just kind of being quiet, which I'm not good at. Sure. And, and, and listening and taking it in and just taking people at their word. Not, not um, trying to explain it or figure it out. You said this is what happened. This is how you feel. Okay. Now, how can I be part of, of, of making, you know, that better for you? Because you're my brother, you're my sister. And, um, and I'm supposed to love you. Mm-hmm. And, and you're an image bearer, just like I'm an image bearer. We're, we're equal um, before Jesus, right? And, and you're my sibling. And, and I've got to treat you as such. Well, of course I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny actually, cause I had a, a, a parent uh, teach conference for my six year old son, who's a first grader. And um, she was like, one of the, one of the things she mentioned was just Fletcher, my son <laughs> likes to interrupt and, and talk. And so she's, she's, she, they were talking about a book called My Mouth is a Volcano. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and I went, and, and, and you know, my, my wife kind of looked at me and went, I think my husband needs that as well, to read that book. You know, so I think, like, I used to put it down to, like, you know, a lot of it to do with my um, ADD and stuff like that. But actually, it was, a lot of it was trying to fix things or to try and, you know, as much as, but it sometimes it, that's just not the answer. Right. You know, it's not to jump in and try and fix things, even though we've got the right idea, you right. know, um, and we're trying to f- say something to maybe fill the dead air or, you know, like whatever it is, sometimes we've just got to let that, yeah. as white people, we need to let that tr- that hurt just be there. Yeah. And, and, and receive it and understand what to do with it that kind of thing so you know i mean and and this is what what's been great about like reading all this stuff Mm -hmm. and and this journey um is there anything else you would like to share about your experience i'm just grateful for it um honestly i i don't i think i need to read the book again i mean i i think it is that deep of a book um I would love to have, you know, maybe six months from now or a year or what, you know, maybe we could come back and, and just talk about like, you know, how did we use what we read? Have we learned anything more? Um, because it's just not, it's not a one and done, you know, it's just not. Um, I'm, just, I'm just grateful for the, for the experience. And I know that I've grown because it's, it's uncomfortable mm. and, and that's, good even though I don't like feeling uncomfortable but but I'm, I'm grateful well Julia I mean I'm so thankful that you were able to be part of it um you know and obviously wherever God let you know lead you we, we, we you've always got a place at Mosaic so thank you we, what would you like to share with you know people um, regarding this experience that you've had you know um i think i think what um what i'd like to share is and i think angel um when we had our our large group meeting 
you know, we all agreed that, you know, we, we as, as a community weren't going to make a difference just because we had a meeting. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to take a hundred meetings. But what I think we've learned of the people who attended and hopefully people who didn't attend can watch this and understand that we are the Johnny Appleseeds of this mission. We are the ones that can go to our white friends and, and, and help them understand or, you know, you always should be on the lookout. It's look out, you know, when you're talking with someone and you hear that, you hear any comments, you should inter interact immediately. You might lose a couple associates. <laughs> um, you might lose a couple acquaintances um, because of this. But without people like us who always treats everyone of any type of race, religion, sex, you name it, um, that hopefully we can be those Johnny Appleseeds uh, to help the movement along. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you saying that kind of reminds me a little bit from what Eddie Gold has written and, he, and quote, he says, like, we have to find and rest in a community of love. Uh, in our time, with so much hatred and venom in our politics and our culture, we must actively cultivate communities of love that allow us to imagine different ways of being together. And and I think what you're alluding to there is exactly what Eddie Glau Jr. is kind of talking about is that, you know, the, with the Johnny Appleseed sort of thing that, that we need these areas. Now, obviously I'm, I'm, you know, we know that Mosaic is sort of a few and far between church, but it, we need to allow these spaces like church mosaic we need to kind of allow people to come and rest as well as do the work you know um for again like being white male um you know that's that's exactly what we need to be doing is like you know um as white men you know men we women women whatever. we need to we need Children. to do the work and let, mm -hmm. but let, you know, people of color, black, you know, come and rest and find love and know that they're accepted and know that, you know, they need to grieve with, with, along with us and we need to grieve with them, but we need to do the active work with them. And, mm -hmm. you know, through that realization of realizing what the lie is. And even though it's a, a, a surprising to us that we suddenly go, oh, America's not quite like what we thought it was, you know, because we're white and the way it's been, society has been structured in our favor, you know. Um, well, Vince, thank you so much for sharing. I really appreciate your your time and, you know, it's great to get to know you. I know we got- it was, a, it was a wonderful experience. Um, and I think we should have another one, uh, if not a couple. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, we shouldn't just, you know, forget about it um, yeah, because uh, it's what's needed. We, 
we need to be a little bit more educated as white people. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really why I think we should get together a couple more times. Um, so we have the ammo that we need to go out there and, and make a difference and make a change. If, if anybody's going to change, it's, it's going to be, uh, you know, if it's going to change um, our generation, our open-minded generation, and our offspring um, are very open-minded, um, especially in, in other areas of, of problems these days, mental health. Um, you know, if, if, if our generations can't help this cause, I'm not gonna say it's gonna go away, but um, make it a, a lot less difficult for those people. Um, it's going to be us, but it's not. How were you challenged personally when reading this this book? I think uh, I think the idea of um, sort of a couple steps forward and then uh, you know a few steps back um, as sort of a, um, a pattern throughout history. I think that was challenging to me hearing about. Um, uh, Baldwin being like initially um, maybe optimistic about the progress of the civil rights movement, the civil rights and the voting rights acts, and then uh, seeing like Malcolm and Martin assassinated and uh, kind of um, white America uh, sur surging back again and, and sort of taking back some of that progress. I think, I think learning about that like cycle over and over again through history, I think that challenged me to think uh, like a little more deeply about the particular historical moment we're in, not just in terms of like uh, some weird aberration that's happening, but as part of like a longer pattern of history that we can trace back to also like the civil rights movement and, and, and prior to that. So I think that was challenging to, to me and, and really changed the way I, I think about history and about race in this country and bringing mosaic into it what's what's the important thing that you feel that you took away from maybe these discussions mm. in this book and with mosaic i mean we're obviously doing the work and we're maybe a little further ahead of the game in terms of other churches but i think it's but you know we've, we've still got the work still needs to be done yeah i mean i i, I think we're collectively we might all feel like we're kind of like stuck a little bit because we are trying to figure out where our beliefs meet action um what do i do now that i know what i know but i think a difficulty we all encounter is that the issues we're confronting are by their definition they're systemic they're embedded in structures and individually, all we're able to do are sort of these inter, like interpersonal responses, which are good and appropriate. Yeah. Um, but I think we all realize that our interpersonal responses of acknowledging our privilege and other things that are good healing things to do are also like not sufficient to meet uh, the problems that we face that are like our criminal justice system and, and housing and, and people not having like healthcare, like those are all like race issues embedded in systems. Mm. Um, so I, I think I'm just trying to say that I, I feel like we, we get a little stuck there where we're like, 
what do I do now? Um, how do I be anti-racist in a way that engages with systems and structures? Yeah, sure. No, totally. I, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, it's, I mean, you've, I mean, I'm dealing with that with education at the moment in the Philadelphia school yeah. district and stuff like that. And, and I've seen the stuff you, you put about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, but what's, what shocked me is just the sense of like, since putting my foot, you know, since doing the work on it, it's just the, well, yeah. the systems, like, I know, like, you're, you're, I know, I, I think with what you're saying is like, how do we move forward? And I, I feel being called into that, but I'm still like uh, hitting a little bit of inertia because it's just, I'm kind of frozen going, this is huge, mm -hmm. you know, and like, there's so many problems with the funding, with, you know, equitable things. So like some schools have it, some schools don't, and it's not, and it's on a margin that's like here and here, oh, you boy. know, and so I think I completely agree with you. It's like, okay, with learning, right, but now how do we start putting this into action? Yeah. Without the sense of being overwhelmed or like, you know, but at the end of the day, we've got to do it. You've got to keep moving forward, you know, because mm -hmm. I mean, you know, our, our friends who, you know, the, our black community friends and people of color, color community, it's just we, like we said earlier, it's that they're, they've been in this since, you know. Right. Right. And, 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 and I feel like that's sort of the next, progression of where we're at as a church because we we've I think we've done some work with this with this book study of uh of uh you know facing our past um of trying to understand the past because Angel has talked a lot about how there's got to be truth before reconciliation yep. I really like that yeah um and I and I'm not saying we're like we're like there yet but I feel like um, we, we, we've done a little bit of like, we're going to sit around and we're going to acknowledge our complicity and our privilege. And that's important healing work. But I don't know if um, like our community is going to uh, give us a hand and say, congrats, guys, you, you did it. Um, I, I feel like next steps are something that's really exciting to think about. I don't know. Um, I feel like getting involved or, or more involved with uh, organizations like Power is really sure. cool and maybe a good thing for, yeah. for us to all do together, show some show some solidarity. But I don't know. Like I'm I'm more just like asking the question because I don't have the answer. Uh, I've been thinking about it. It's like, what do you do now? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's funny. You kind of like just clicked on something that really resonated me with that Eddie Gold Jr. Um, wrote that he said, we have to, we have to muster the moral strength to reimagine America. Mm. The moral stamina to fight this fight requires that we cultivate our own elsewhere. And, and his elsewhere is obviously what Baldwin was talking about. His resting place is the place where he needed to rest, but it's not, a, it's not a place where we sit down and go, like that it's a place where we can just sit down and go right what's the next steps because that's what Baldwin did you know he went to Turkey he had his elsewhere and obviously he needed to get away from America but it enabled him to sort of re-envision 
what his next steps were, right? Mm. And yeah. you know, obviously, as white people, we, we we it's not a question of resting; it's a question of like re like trying to push forward and and reimagine it, you know, and mm -hmm. not feel like we're being personally attacked or it's nothing to do about it. It's nothing to do with that. It's like we accept the responsibility mm -hmm. and we reimagine, you know, we try and move forward in that, in that sense. Yeah. I, I thought that was an interesting point where it, I didn't relate obviously to, to what Baldwin and Glad were saying about like needing to find their elsewhere. Cause they were sp talking specifically as black Americans who had, had felt, uh, alienated in their own country mm -hmm. um, and so needed to find like a space to just like I don't know like develop themselves as full people without having to deal with all the little like slights and indignities of racism I think especially for Baldwin at least it, maybe exactly. that's why 100%. France was so important yeah. Um, yeah so yeah so like obviously Ah, maybe that doesn't apply to me. <laughs> no, I, but, I, but, but, no, but I think you're right. I th no, I think you're right. I just, I think, but in the long term, I think it's a, it's a way of reimagining things, right? Because yeah, and to your yeah, and to your point about yeah, actually, like uh, creatively reimagining what these systems, uh, what, uh, what a just society would look like. Such important work, absolutely. Cool. Well, Ben, it's been fantastic talking to you i think finishing up i i guess how would you how would you like is there anything you want to share about your experience doing this and do you want to do this more and you know and or you know is this a, i mean if it's more than enough you know whatever what what, what what where where are you feeling now i guess where where do you see yourself reimagining you moving forward like you said you talked about power and stuff but Oh, I'm I'm uh, uh, all in to to do this again, guys. Let's uh, let's read another book together. Um, I love it. I'm there for it. Um, yeah, I mean, I see the experience as a whole. I just like really liked being back with uh, uh, you, lovely mosaic people. I think uh, uh, part of this is like important uh, work we need to do, and and part of it is sort of just like uh community healing time for us to like be together and and try to express some solidarity with each other um and and that's really like um i don't know that, that's really edifying for all of us i think to, to just be together when we haven't seen each other very much for the past year um so any opportunity um to, to, to be with you people um again i'm all about it so i just want to thank everyone who participated uh being a part of this on trying to articulate um, uh, where you have grown or how you have been impacted by this. Um, I thank you for Julia's comment uh, about, you know, we are the racists, you know, and that ownership. I think Vince for uh, his Johnny Appleseed, you know, that it, there is a responsibility that um, the white community holds for dismantling, for when you hear when you hear racist comments, to to speak up, um, because in speaking up you own me as your sister, you own us as your siblings, um, and I, I'm just grateful to be in a place where we can talk about these things. I am grateful 
um, that Kennedy can be honest and talk about what it means to be an Asian child raised in a white family and trying to sort through for her what whiteness means and the privilege she has while at the same time being a person of color in the world and being not being attached to your family engaging with the world apart from that. Um, this is a long and deep topic. It is a, as Parker said, this cord that is wound so tight. But I praise God that the Spirit of the Living God lives inside of us, enabling us, calling us to unity. And we don't have to adopt a false unity or something fake. He calls us to the, a unity that reflects God's image. God is diversity, and we are diverse humanity. God is unified, and God calls us to reflect God's unity in ours. We'll continue with that journey. It is the hardest, I think one of the hardest tasks of our collective lives because separation is so ingrained. But greater is the God that is within us than the gods of this world uh, and whiteness being one of them. We will overcome this because we already have through the blood of Christ and the everlasting covenant that that blood has put in place for us. We hold to this vision, this dream, this reality, making a reality of the kingdom of God, heaven come to earth. I'm committed to do my part to make that happen. I believe we're committed, but we are where we are. And so we have to take it on. You know, the, the parts of us that are not yielded to God in unity and in loving submission one to another. You know, be submitted one to another was that overarching comment in, in, in Ephesians. And then it went into husbands and wives and stuff. But that is a comment that is even beyond the husband and wife. But that thing about reflection. Be humble. Be submitted. Be encouraging. Take on for ourselves the concern for another recognizing that what's happening to them is happening to us. And in the sum of us, we're going to explore that. We're going to explore the truth that racism doesn't just have a singular impact, but it impacts all of us. And we're going to look at that, how it's impacting all of us. Because we need the truth. Knowledge of the truth, Christ said, would set us free. And I want to be one of those folks. I believe you want to be those folks who are free indeed. So God bless. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Continue to allow as the Holy Spirit you know, brings thoughts to you. Think them. Be uncomfortable. It's okay. You're not alone. We are uncomfortable with you. And the Holy Spirit is there to help guide us through. Because we're going to get to another level in this. We don't have to stay where we are. We're going to grow and be better. So better comes flowing out of our hearts, out of our mouths. And better is within our thoughts. So peace to you. This is a blessing by Anne Richardson. Hear these words as our benediction this morning. Blessing in a time of violence, which is to say, this is a blessing always. 
which is to say there is no place this blessing does not long to cry out and lament, to weep its words in sorrow, to scream its lines in sacred rage. Which is to say there is no day that this blessing ceases to whisper into the ear of the dying, the despairing, the terrified. Which is to say there is no moment this blessing refuses to sing itself into the heart of the hated and the hateful, the victim and the victimizer, with every last ounce of hope it has. Which is to say there is none that can stop it, none that can halt its course, none that will still its cadence, none that will delay its rising, none that can keep it from springing forth from the mouth of us who have hope, from the hands of us who act, from the hearts of us who choose to love, from the feet of us who will not cease our stubborn, aching, marching, marching feet until this blessing has spoken its final word, until this blessing has breathed its benediction in every place, in every tongue, its benediction of peace, peace.